Hi folks, welcome to our second studio, which felt like a fitting place for me to have a kind of discussion like this with you about some of the things that I've been thinking about regarding the concept of ideology, because it's something that we see all the time and we see reference all the time, but I think people have actually got a very poor understanding of what ideology is. I've spent the last couple of years just reading and researching it as much as I can, and I wanted to share some of these conclusions with you. Um, so I suppose it begins with well, what is an ideology? Well, an ideology is a collection of ideas. So what is an idea? And an idea, as far as most Enlightenment thinkers have come to the conclusion of, and probably going way back in, you know, to, to Aristotle and to the mists of philosophical history, is the, product, the human conception of the world around us that comes to us through our senses. And this is pretty settled, as philosophy goes, Got people like David Hume and John Locke, and like I said, it probably goes all the way back to Aristotle. But like, well, look, all of our ideas come in through are a product of the information we are, we receive from our senses, and that seems to be true. That seems to be pretty straightforward. And, and Descartes actually has a great uh, way of uh, exploring this and saying, well, look, if that wasn't the case, think of an animal that isn't merely a chimera of the animals. Make up an animal that isn't merely a chimera of the animals you've already seen. Think of something novel. Think of something that, as far as you can tell, doesn't exist in the real world and isn't a combination of things that exist in the real world. And of course, that seems to be impossible because it seems that the only things we can conceive of are combinations of things we previously have experience from. And so, from our ideas, we end up with ideologies. And there are lots of different definitions of what an ideology is. I feel that each of them is incomplete in its own way. But one that the critical race theorists use is that an ideology is a collection of contested ideas which provide a purportedly logical foundation for political action. Now, that's one view and one part of what an ideology is. Um, but what also an ideology is, according to Michael Oakeshott, is the abstraction of a political system, a set of political practices that have been abstracted away from the time and place from which they were operative and put formulated into the logical doctrine that the critical race theorists view as the set of contested ideas. But what this means is that if all ideas are a product of a time and a place and a people, then all ideologies are also a product of a time and a place and a people. And if we arrive at these ideologies by abstracting the cultural depth and the political, geographical, social uh, depth of the culture into merely a thin doctrine of political action, then we have lost a lot of information in that that was actually a prerequisite to arriving at the political action itself. If an ideology is therefore this set of political acts that have been abstracted away into a doctrine to instruct those people who otherwise don't really understand their own political systems on what to do in the face of their own ignorance, then we have established that ideologies themselves are temporal, they are geographic, and they are cultural. They are specific to a time and a place and a people to have to solve problems that were present in that time and place for those people, depending on the pressures that they were under and the situation that they were in. 
This does not mean that they are universally applicable in all times and all places, because the ideas and ideologies are the product of many, many forces that are difficult to identify and properly understand. Locke was right when he said that abstraction is subtraction, right? The ideas themselves, what we can consciously conceive of, are always built on a substructure of millions, probably, of different complex and particular forces. And in, thing, in ways we don't generally even think about, right? Like, the structure of the language we use to construct sentences is different in each language, and this has an, a direct effect on the way that we perceive the world and conceive of the world and describe the world to one another. Like, the English language puts particular emphasis on I, on blame, on a person, an individual who is responsible for things. Other languages don't do that, and so that changes the character of English thought compared to non-English thought. And so these small things, like the environment that we're in, the particular pressures that we feel that we're under, the depth of the social interactions and the sort of tensile strength of our social interactions and our relationships with one another and the way we perceive ourselves in relation to other people, to the state, to the environment around us, all of these things, and many, many more. Like, there's so much more that I'm not encompassing. But this is kind of like a, 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 a sea in which we are swimming that we don't even recognize. Right? Again, small things, really small things, but have this cumulative effect. So the, product, the, the culture itself in which we live, the society itself in which we live, is something greater than the sum of its components. And you can't really just take away any one component and say, this is the good, because actually this is contingent on many other things. And this is a, a mass of contingent cultural behaviors that all operate together in this web, or not autonomously, but unconsciously, in a way that is not planned and can't be mandated, but is the series of negotiations between millions of people over generations. And this is the time and the place in which we ourselves, this, this web of history and society is where we are situated right now as we discuss this. And that's unfathomably complicated and not something that any individual or doctrine can properly really coherently describe. All of this really means, then, that the ideas and the people who generate these ideas are a product of the time and place and social tapestry in which they are embedded, which they can't really escape. This is always the, the case, in every time and place. When a person has an idea, that idea has a particularity about it. It is a geographic, cultural, temporal thing that has existed in the mind of a person, doesn't exist somewhere in the ether, it is a product of time and place. And so to say, for example, Nazism is not really separable from Germanness. Fascism is not really separable from Italianness. Liberalism is not really separable from Englishness. Because, I mean, Nazism is a consequence of Germany's struggle with its own unification and nationhood. Fascism is the same. It's a direct product of Italian unification 
and the political trends at the time in Italy to serve these people with this purpose, to serve the German people with that purpose in the 1930s. These are things that are a product of a place and time. And this, I think, is why liberalism has only really worked for the English-speaking world. It's only the English-speaking world that really understands the purpose of liberalism. Like, watching the French and the Germans and anyone else try to do liberal democracy is actually kind of weird and faintly embarrassing in a way because they don't do it right. And then we start adopting the ideas that German and French liberals have come up with into our own liberal system. And you can see it deforming it around us. Illiberal things start happening because fundamentally these are ideas that are coming from people who are not in their cultural substratum liberals. The social understanding of ourselves in a particular political context and the institutions that not only that builds but are required for it to maintain itself can't really simply be transposed from one time or place to another time and place for another people who don't have the underlying substratum required to maintain them in the way that is done by the people whose political tradition you are trying to abstract, subtract from, and then replicate somewhere else. This is one of the reasons that I think that uh, American democracy simply doesn't work in South America. It's deeply corrupt because it's not inscribed on the hearts of the people, as Rousseau would have put it. And the reason I think that liberalism worked with the English-speaking people is because really all you're doing when you abstract someone's political traditions away and consciously construct a doctrine of it, is all you're really doing is telling them what they already believe. You aren't innovating. You aren't asking them to live in a way that's different to what they're already doing. You are merely saying, this is what you do. And they say, yes, that is what we do. And we like what we do. And we think that's appropriate. To watch the full video, please become a premium member at lotuseaters.com.